1: Hi, this is Gwendolyn. I'm really delighted to be with you again. Welcome to The Visual Workplace. We're just a few weeks before Christmas. It's in the air. Things are getting really frantic. And here we are doing our weekly radio show where we explore the great and the wonderful workplace visuality. We celebrate it, letting the workplace speak. In each show, we look at some aspect of that how to embed the intelligence of our operational system directly into the work environment through visual devices. Visuality is physical. If the device isn't there, the intelligence hasn't been captured. It's just kind of floating around in our brain in some binder that we can't access or in our words, which disappear as soon as we speak them. So what we want to do is we want to embed that intelligence, that knowledge, that language into the physical workplace, and then we can reap the huge benefits of doing so, and we can enjoy ourselves greatly along the way. I'm really excited to be with you today for so many reasons, but I do want to say something really interesting has happened. Um, I found out yesterday from my wonderful executive producer, Sandra Rogers, that we have doubled the uh, number of listeners and The number and podcast downloads. So we started with 300 in September now. And then in October, we were at two. 2,500, 2,500, and in November, we were at over 4,500, 4,500. I don't know what's going to happen in December, but I'm really, really glad about this because it means that, of course, you're finding some value in the material and what we present. That's so very important, but it also means you're interested in workplace visuality, which is... um It's kind of one of the hidden pieces of operational excellence. Even though we recognize it when it happens, we're not exactly sure how to make it happen, how to make our own workplace visual. We know it's important, and so it it shows, I'd like to think, that you're interested in finding ways to become more visual. I started learning about, I'm very grateful for that, by the way, really grateful. Um, I started learning about this some 30 years ago. So, you know, I've been hanging around this material and trying to make sense out of it. I started long, 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 long time ago as a Latin teacher. And then I was an actor in New York. And then I was the token Caucasian at the Red, uh, Dragon Chinese restaurant where the other waitresses were always stealing my egg rolls. That was a very, those were very primal times. (laughs) And I fell into my first factory in 1983 when I had been hired to develop courses, learning pathways, in a company that specialized in Japanese manufacturing techniques. Some of you may know it, Productivity Inc. Uh, Norman Bodak was my boss. Lots of stories there. But I met my first visual device, my first visual device, on my first study mission to Japan. That was the next year. And I talked a a good deal about that in the very first show, if you want to learn more about that, and the pink powder that became a main takeaway from that trip. And I was just completely intoxicated by it. I don't know why. But it has kept me going over these past almost three decades, for heaven's sakes, identifying and framing these principles, the principles of visuality, integrating them into what I hope is a coherent paradigm, a coherent whole. The majority of my work has happened on shop floors, in offices of some of the world's, and I'm not going to say, well, some of the world's best and some of the uh, world's most interesting companies, (laughs) hospitals and factories and banks, open pit mines. I always have to laugh at that because we were doing uh, 5S and the floor kept disappearing every day because it was an open pit mine. It was just so interesting to have something so fundamental uh, not be part of uh, what we were able to cultivate. But in the process, I've Developed what I consider to be a pretty strong set of visual best practices and principles, the methods, the concepts, the systems of thinking that help us appreciate the power of visuality as a language and use it for the benefit of our companies and our workplace, their bottom line, the cultural alignment, but also for the benefit of ourselves to take the struggle out of work. Whether I'm a CEO, supervisor, operator, head of engineering, I can take the struggle out of my work by letting the workplace speak. So I'm very, very grateful for this. I've, I've learned so much and we take what we learn when we're doing our research, our transformations and our conversions and we convert those into tangible knowledge. Training seminars and books and DVDs, our webinar series, which we're very proud of. It just burst on the scene about uh, six or eight weeks ago. We've got six webinars now. We'll have 20 by the end of next year, a little hour and a half, very robust training sessions. They are, these are not, you know, talking about it. This is showing and teaching and applying and unnesting. So we turn turned this into form, Pretty, we hope, pretty reliable, learning packages, and you can find out more on our website, visualworkplace.com, and uh, in terms of today, I'm going to recommend two of my books. Uh, Both of them won the Shingo Prize. I'm very proud of that. The first one is visual workplace visual thinking, which kind of gives you a very good overview of how our discussion today, which is going to be a further discussion into 5S, how that fits into the gestalt of workplace visuality, the big picture. It has 220 full-color visual solutions. And the other is... Operator-led visuality, the book is called Work That Makes Sense, and this is, um, I think, my finest work so far and my most complete implementation manual, chock full of examples, over 500. We are visual beings, therefore we live in a visual world, and it's not the other way around. Visuality is a natural condition of our physical understanding of how we understand the world through our senses. The communities and the roadways and the airports did not teach us to be visual because they're visual. They're visual because we are. This is the kind of environment we understand, that we feel safe in, that we can perform in, that we can grow in. Any work setting that is not visual in, well, in my language, is really not fit for human performance, is not even safe. So just think about that. Visuality is a condition, it's a human condition, a natural condition and it must, we must find it at work. So today we're going to continue our march through the principles and practices of the 5S. This has taken, now we're in our three and, third and a half show, I'm going to try to complete the five S's today but there will be two or three other shows but probably not sequentially on... Um, the sustainability aspects, looking at how uh, how to deal with difficulties in an implementation, looking at the components that need to be in place before you start a 5S conversion because it's not easy. Believe me, it certainly is not about neat and clean or about just doing it because we're talking about language. We're talking about the translation of information into exact behavior through visual devices. And we're also talking about this conversion being I-led, that the person who is investing the information into the physical environment is the person who is using it as well. Again, that goes for the operator, but it also goes for the CEO, at least in my approach. If you remember, um, in our last show, we did a pretty good gloss of S1 sort through, sort out. And if you remember, we ended with the story of Charlie's Table and my confession that the first S is not really for sort through and sort out because what Charlie's Table's story taught me over 20 years ago was that the real first S in 5S is for spirit. It's for the spirit of the workplace, the spirit inside of each of us, the spirit inside of Charlie, who is a big grump. And the spirit inside of our overachievers who are doing visual because they just love it and doing it all the time. So I confess that to you and anyone else who is listening. In today's show, we're going to look at the rest of the S's. And I want to say because my translation is probably a little different than yours, I don't want you to worry about my exact words. Listen for the principle's Instead, And I'm going to try to make a special point to say the principle behind scrub the workplace, which you might call shine, is this. Okay, so don't let that, don't let your interest jump off the rails because our language doesn't match. What we're looking for is the principles that undergird the language that really is the logic of each step. And I will say the effectiveness of each step. Listen to the primacy of the I in this progression, this 5S progression. What do I need to know? What do I need to share? As you know, if you've been listening in, for me, this has been one of the great revelations of, of visuality, of what it's had to t- teach me. I better get going. I'm going to run out of time again today. We have a good deal to cover. I just want to remind you that we're still within the framework of the 10 doorways. We're, we're still going through the first doorway, which is owned by operators, and the outcome that they are seeking is the visual wear, which you may call 5S, automatic recoil, a border, an address, and if possible, an ID label for everything that casts a shadow. We're looking for visual location information to put that in place okay and this is owned by operators when operators are able to implement and have at their fingertips a robust visual wear it feels to them because i've asked them that they're 90% through the whole visual workplace progression because suddenly that which used to be hard and a struggle impossible is easy And they can do the dance of work. And we want to come to work and we want to do the dance of work. We want to enjoy ourselves. We'll still be very careful, very precise. Okay, so let's get beyond the whole idea of neat and clean and labels and line and enter the world of visual functionality. Can I also just stick this in? I meant to mention it. In January we're going to be conferring our first-ever Visual Workplace 10 Doorways Award to three companies, two in the U.S. and one in Europe. And we'll probably do case studies on those companies so you can see what fuller functionality looks like. We've got so much to do, and we're doing it by radio. I'm wondering if we can do that by radio. I will do my best to organize the language so that you can uh, see what I say. So doorway number one, the visual wear. Operators own it, wholly own it. Let's repeat now the definition, at least the way I define it, of 5S. The purpose of 5S is to prepare the physical environment to hold visual information and then to put visual location information in place to install the visual answer to the where question for everything that casts a shadow to install visual order. So we're preparing the physical environment by cleaning it, preparing it for a higher purpose. Okay. Let's see. We are going to now move to S2 shine. So uh, the way I say it is shine the workplace and everything in it. The way you, I'm sorry, scrub the workplace. (laughs) I actually say scrub the workplace and everything in it and you often say just shine. It's fine. So, when people start to clean in S2, in my view, they do so to prepare the surfaces to hold visual information. They are not asked to clean to make me, their boss, or may I say God, happy. They are not asked to clean to demonstrate that they're capable of discipline, at least not discipline in the usual sense of that word with its heavy cultural overlays. People are asked to clean in order to prepare the physical environment to hold visual information. That's it. Information won't stick on dust, grease, and grime. Managers get very obsessed with cleanliness and order, but rarely line personnel or anyone who actually has to do the cleaning day after day, day after day, day after day. This is not to say that cleaning cannot be fun. I've participated in many, many fun-filled cleaning blitzes. But this is also not to deny that some employees find genuine – this is to say also that some employees find genuine satisfaction in cleaning and keeping things clean. Of course. And in many environments, it's a requirement. It's a regulation. So we're not contending that at all. We ask people to clean it once, clean it good, and look for ways to never have to clean it again. People look for ways to prevent dirt. Because when we prevent dirt, we prevent the motion called cleaning. Okay, this is eye-driven. And the results are excellent. We are asking people to be inventive as they clean. And even if they uh, decide to bring in an empty tuna fish can in order to catch some drops of oil that would normally just pile up and spread and catch in the dirt or someone would slip on, that's a beginning and we celebrate it. And we look for the extent when, if you're going to audit, you look for the extent to which the prevention of cleaning is in place in that work environment. Hmm? Very, very interesting. Now, I think that we're going to be going into a break now, but I'm not hearing the music, so I'm just going to, ah, there it is. All right. Talk to you in a moment. (laughs) Here it comes.
0: business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment rising to levels not seen since the Great Depression. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to turning hard times into good times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth.
1: Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program.
1: (laughs) Hi, it's Gwendolyn. I'm listening to, listen to the announcer kind of encourage you to phone in or email. And I do have this dream that someday we'll, as we get to know each other, you'll be comfortable in calling in with questions and maybe we can have whole shows that are like clinics where people describe their challenges or their victories. And we can, we can do that once a month, you know, not every time, but once a month and we can get together and kind of solve things together or imagine imagine different uh outcomes or just uh glory in the current um good things that are happening so i'm hoping that we uh, you you start feeling comfortable to call in and uh we can engage in that level i'd i'd be eager for that so just before the break we were talking about using s2 as a way to help people imagine alternatives, imagine solutions in the simple act of cleaning and to think of it as preventing dirt as compared to cleaning up. And this is everything from dust to leaks to, um, to yes, it could be clutter, but I'm talking about stuff that really kind of sticky stuff. How do you prevent the cleaning itself? Hmm? And so you you let the principle of when we prevent dirt, we prevent cleaning, when we prevent cleaning we prevent motion motion is moving without working and let people get behind that it may not be as juicy as creating visual devices but it's a heck of a lot better than just cleaning 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 first of all when you clean you're not advancing the uh, operational journey to excellence you're simply maintaining it so that's another thing to think about. I'm going to give you an example of uh, at a Trailmobile plant in Toronto. Great group of rambunctious Canadians were in that plant uh, when we were invited in to do a conversion. The plant had been recently acquired by Trailmobile from a private owner who really ruled through fear. The obedience model was alive and well in this plant, and I'm telling you, the um the uh, performance metrics were outrageous. Monthly accident rate was 46.2 percent. Operational efficiency, which they continued to use, was 86 percent. Pre-delivery warranty cost was $40,000 every month. Eight out of every ten people were absent at least one day a month. So you had a lot of instability. Okay, and so we began our our chug, our march through the five S's. I-driven. And you know, people really held back and then one day they decide to get involved and they liked it. Something got ignited. And when we were doing S2, the folks who were putting the roof, the team, uh taking care putting the roof in place on top of this trailer. I'm sorry I for failed to tell you, they made trailers. You know, these seal boxes on wheels. They have a roof, some doors, some wheels, some sides. And uh it's pretty simple. And very interesting. And so the guys who are on the mezzanine, they would go up and down the stairs a few times a day carrying barrels of scrap and trash, bring it down, empty it, bring it up, fill it up again. And they got this idea. They saw that climbing up and down the stairs for them was just a real pain in the neck and was also dangerous. And they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to just punch a hole in the mezzanine floor and put the barrel on the ground. And in that way, we can just empty the barrel while we're on the ground, instead of carrying it up and down the stairs, they're preventing that form of motion related to trash. And that's the way they began. It's a simple beginning, but it was exciting and it was very innovative. And they had one for trash and one for scrap. And so they made that separation as well. Very simple example. So you'll, you teach that principle, you coach for that principle, you audit for that principle, and you'll start getting results. Let's move on to S3 in my system, S3 Secure Safety. S3 is all about increasing the safety quotient at work. Safety is cheap. Accidents are expensive. So operators are asked to notice the risk and to correct what they can themselves. Anything else gets reported to the company's safety team or committee, of course. And shame on any company that doesn't have one. And here again, we're putting on a uh, premium on the inventiveness aspect. People in the area come up with amazingly inventive solutions in the same trailmobile plant. There was difficulty with a small delivery truck that would um, deliver sheeted steel to a stamping machine, major piece of the uh of the trail trailer assembly. But in backing up, the driver would sometimes hit the stays of um, a side operation where people were riveting the floor. And, you know, a gentleman who's riveting the floor gets bumped into and all of a sudden he's riveting his knee. And when the teams – this was a kind of team adventure. Um, hey, what can we do? What? What's the problem? Why do you keep bumping into it? And the guy said, you know, it's the stays. All the yellow stays, they were just kind of struts. They look the same. And I somehow or other, I can't get the depth of them and so I bump into them. So first thing they tried and it worked – was to paint the stays red so the guy could see them better and they would stand out and contrast better and that solved the situation. And if it didn't solve the situation, they would have done something else, maybe put Christmas tree lights on it or something like that. So that's what we want to have happened. This was and and what happened with this particular workforce, which had been under the thumb of someone else's authoritative approach for so many years, because it was the same workforce when Trailmobile acquired it. Is they went through this kind of internal revolution. It was, they became ignited and they suddenly saw that, you know, the, this discussion, everybody talks about it because it is so compelling. They suddenly saw that they could change things. They were empowered. They felt their own power through something as simple as secure safety. And so we have that orientation throughout all of 5S. I'm suggesting that you think about that. How do I um, ignite the eye? I have this wonderful poem by Pablo Neruda that I actually put in the front of my um, new book, the Big Yellow Book. And it was – Neruda was uh, one of the poet laureates of – I believe it was either Spain. I believe it was Spain. And uh, he wrote in Spanish, but a wonderful other poet named David White has translated him in a way that is poetic in itself. And Neruda talks about the first time he wrote a poem. He didn't know he was a poet. He just one day wrote a poem, and something happened inside of him. Like an operator will sometimes, will one day just invent something, and something extraordinary can happen. And so this is what Neruda says. And this is an experience that I've seen happen in operators and operators have described it to me, not with these words, but with this feeling. He says, and something ignited in my soul, fever or unremembered wings, and I went my own way deciphering that burning fire. And I wrote the first bare line, bare without substance, pure foolishness, pure wisdom of one who knows nothing. And suddenly I saw the heavens unfasten and open. Something ignited in my soul. I have seen this a hundred times, a hundred, hundred times when we do 5S, that's eye-driven. When we do something as simple as S3, secure safety, where people begin to connect, not just with the physical workplace, but with their own internal abilities, it's It is meant to be revolutionary, and it's revolutionary in this way. And when you approach it in this way, 5S becomes a vehicle for important bottom line benefits 15 to 30% increase in productivity, but also a cultural transformation. Okay. So we're now, we have a clean, an uncluttered, clean, and safe workplace. We're going to move on to the next S. In my little lexicon, it's something called S for select locations, or shorthand is smart placement. That's the big principle, smart placement. All of us know the mantra in real estate of location, location, location. Well, location is critical in the workplace too, not just because you need to know where things are, but because to begin with, those things have to be in the right place. And by right place, I don't mean a designated home location as in a place for everything and everything in its place yeah that's important but that comes later and in a way it's secondary to this to the primacy of this principle of smart placement by the right place i mean the smart place for an item the right location for itself in relationship to every other item in the work area and eventually in the company we call this oh cheapers, i have to keep track kind of i see hang on for a second i'm have to keep track of um, the breaks. So we call this a conscious and a conscientious location of things. When all the smart placement, when all the things are, are smartly placed in relationship to each other, the entire landscape of work becomes connected, letting material information and people flow into and through the work areas with a minimum of struggle, a minimum of motion. Smart placement makes it possible to generate a flow of work that can accelerate and de-accelerate at will, and that's what you want. Whose will? The will of the customer. So the placement – so again, we're recasting this whole idea of 5S. We're elevating it. We're uncovering it and seeing it for the power that it holds. 5S is powerful. It's a powerful transformative physical change for the work environment, but it also changes us, as I'm suggesting with some of the other things I'm saying. When smart placement is not applied, the opposite is often also true. When the objects in your workplace, the tools, the parts, the materials, consumables, benches, cabinets, or if you're in a hospital, the desks, the things, the blankets, are physically placed without careful thought and intention, the result is a tangled muddle that feeds motion, Instead of supporting elegant work. Okay? So, the smart placement process begins when you identify and evaluate the current location of things in your area. The way that I say it is this. The current location of function. Okay? So, we'll pick this up when we come back from our break. I hope you find it interesting. Thanks. Thanks.
0: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Hi. Hi. So we were talking just before the break about looking at the placement of things, the current location of function. So we've translated the kind of generic idea of a thing being a thing to a thing being a function. And that translation enables us to then see that there's a relationship between functions. That's the purpose of smart placement. We do smart placement before we lay down any borders, what you may call lines, because we want the functional layout to make sense before we nail it in place through a border, home address, and if possible, an ID label, before we install the visual where. In a manufacturing cell, we ask ourselves the function of each machine, the tool set, the desk. The desk is usually a paperwork function, isn't it? The die rack, the hospital, the charts, the meds, consumable supplies. What's the function? We when we recognize that each workplace item, each thing represents a function, specific and particular a specific and particular use, a purpose. Then we have a chance to figure out Where it physically needs to go. Only when you recognize the true function of an app, of an object can you place it correctly, smartly, is what I say, in the work area. Okay, you understand its relationship to the other items. And you locate it and them accordingly. So this is the central uh, question or the central, um, focus of this step that we do in my approach before we get to, uh, what you Uh, let me think, I think you call it set in order. I call it select locations when I'm doing 5S or when I'm doing something like work that makes sense That is usually happens in a company that has done 5S or doesn't want to do 5S or is stalled with 5S or doesn't like 5S, had a bad experience, we get operator-led visuality, and the concept is called smart placement. It involves two maps, but I want to first give you the formula that captures this thinking is function plus location equals flow. This is the logic of smart placement. The location of function will determine the direction, the speed, the complexity of the flow. And, you know, this is a perfect um, opportunity to do maps that will look at first glance when you're done like a spaghetti map. But indeed, it isn't. It is a map of your motion, motion, moving without working, caused by the placement, the, la- the layout of function. So it's a slightly different orientation, and I actually prefer it. I'm a great fan of um, teaching operators, because we're talking operator level. This is doorway number one, value-add associates, teaching them everything that I know. But I teach it, I hope, in a way that doesn't put distance between us, where I'm showing off how smart I am or, you know, that I've been doing this for 30 years and, you know, my language really creates distance. I want people to get to understand how these principles work so that they then learn, digest it, and apply it themselves and they own the outcome. Smart placement process is simply a thinking step. It begins with thinking, and at the end of it all, as a result, you're going to move some things around. And we make a distinction between what the operator can move by him or herself or maybe with a buddy and what has to be authorized, and we say focus on what you can move yourself. You can dream about you know, knocking down this wall or moving the machine, but it has to be authorized. It's out of your control, and it's going to be a heartbreak if you don't realize that. Just because it's a good idea doesn't mean that it can be done, should be done, or will be done. Hmm? so do what you have power over and do that well and thoughtfully and we use two maps one is a what is map so we capture the current location people really understand they map out their motion relationship to the placement of function they see the spaghetti you get three hours of spaghetti and the whole I mean three hours of motion caused by the location of function and the whole map is covered with red usually other colors as well because we try to differentiate if there are different product flows. And then with that understanding, we move to a kind of dream map and we introduce these 14 wonderful principles of smart placement which have evolved over the last 10 years for me. I just began to notice, you know, why things move and how they can move. Things like, oh, wonderful things, simple things like put it on wheels, nothing on top, nothing on the floor, but also more um, – more um, complex things, I'm just looking at my table of contents because I I want to quote them correctly. Uh, point of use is another one. Put it on wheels. Let the flow do the work. Do major and minor sorts. Store things, not air, one of my favorite. And the reverse of that is squeeze the air out. You can do a whole store things, not air month. If you want to revitalize your 5S... Just teach the principle, store things, not air, and say, we're going to do it for a month. And we'll audit ourselves on the extent to which we're able to capture that principle in our work area. And maybe we'll visit next door and we'll do a kind of trading places. You audit me, I'll audit you. And we'll learn together. This is so cool. This is so exciting. This is me saying this is what people are saying, (laughs) but it is very cool and exciting. Double the function. Something I discovered in 1993 When Gary from Fleet Engineers doubled up borders, one on top of another, like three-dimensional chess. Where did this idea come from? Outer space or slanty borders. We're going to get to borders in just a second. I'm getting slightly, slightly ahead of myself. So S4 has that purpose. Okay? You're selecting the locations. This is a departure point. Now, you may be doing some of that, and I think many of you are in your Kaizen Blitzes. The only difference that I would say is that when, when I'm doing it, I'm doing it based on principles that are, you know, I kind of insist that we consider them. It's not just what do I think of, but what, how, how does this new knowledge help us go deeper, go further? Can we apply these principles? And I know many of you are doing it. You're doing point of use. You're putting it on wheels. Store, I don't know if you do store things, not, not air. Delphi has done a great deal of that. Okay. Smart placement begins with thinking. After you've considered these principles, you then decide which actual movements or relocations to undertake. You spend a little bit of time getting things in the right, uh, Position. This is kind of you can do a paper doll layout, do it all in cardboard out in the out in the parking lot, if you like. And now you're ready. You're ready for the visual part. And that visual part is called in my process, set locations or l- install the visual where border home address and if possible, an ID label. OK, because you have a valid, a smart location. Now you're going to put the visual location in, in place. And although we're not going to dwell on this now, in fact, at this stage, I driven the group which started, which was not required to be a team at the beginning. If you've listened to some of my earlier shows, I've said, disconnect your teams to begin with. Let people pursue their own need to know. Let them become strong in themselves and then bring them together when they have strength, when they know who they are, and you'll have very, very robust teams. But by now, people are beginning to experience their own power. They're ignited. I don't mean everyone. We'll spend a show on, you know, the distribution of rowers and watchers and grumblers. We'll we'll talk about that in detail. But now we're ready to get visual, we're ready for borders. And we begin with borders. We begin with we begin with borders from the floor up. We include floor borders and wall borders. We install automatic recoil. Automatic recoil is just another way of saying the thing has a place to go back to and it kind of springs back home. Bordering will often get off to a slow start. Some people don't want it. They don't want to. They don't think you mean it. They don't want it. They don't want you. They think it's nutty. <laughs> I work very hard for that first cycle, that first implementation, to make sure I choose a good uh, targeted areas for the pilot that will support strong bordering so people can see it. And I'm going to begin my discussion about wh- why borders are so important, uh, and um, that will take us to the break and then I'll resume it after the break I promised you in the um, in the promotion on this that I would give you what was it 10 different types of borders so I'm going to go through this list now borders that extend the border function that extend the range of motion borders as visual controls dots and commas person with borders so you get the boundary function and you also get the the access function dashed borders photocopy borders, this is particularly good for hand tools, double border functions, slanted borders, which are so great for picking up and putting down for the forklift driver. Okay, we'll pick this up when you, when you come back and when I come back. Thanks.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program.
1: So we were talking about borders. There's so much to say. Honestly, maybe we'll do a whole show on borders. They're so interesting. Here's the thing. If you do not recognize borders as function, as a category of visual function, you won't be that interested. Or if you're a change agent coach or trainer and you're not teaching that borders are visual functions instead of just geometric marks on the floor or on the benchtop, you know, some tape and some lines, people won't be that interested. But if you teach it as functionality and you have but to drive down the road and see the functionality of the borders that are helping us. Stay within our lanes, pass, not pass, go around those complicated curves with the arrows. I have a shot in one of my uh, webinars of the um, – I think it's called Benjamin Franklin Boulevard. It's the boulevard that leads up to the Philadelphia Museum from the, from, from the top of one of the buildings. And you see all of these borders that conduct traffic, supervise traffic without saying a word. And it brings home so strongly – This is functionality. The Philadelphia Museum is the one that Rocky ran up and down, you know, uh, getting stronger and stronger all the time. Laying down borders can trigger strong... And logical opinions in favor and, uh, in favor of and against borders. Sometimes we hear, isn't it better not to lay down floor borders in the first place? Because we're just going to change our minds about where they go and we're going to have to change them. And if we skip borders, we won't ever have to change them. Of course, this is faulty thinking. First of all, it's based on the belief that it's hard to lay down borders and hard to pick them up. But we say before you begin to implement, Figure out what that is. Have your recipe ready. Figure out if you're going to be using tape. You know if you're going to be using tape, you're going to be waxing down the edges so it doesn't get dusty and curl. If you're going to be using paint, two coats of paint cured, covered by two coats of sealant. Maybe you're going to use a striper. It's a very light coat of paint. You decide all of that ahead of time, and for good reason. You experiment. Borders don't take any longer to implement than any other safety, quality, productivity, or cost-saving tool. But they are absolutely the most powerful aspect of the visual wear. Robust borders. The The time that it takes to implement them is worth it because of their positive and significant impact on safety, quality, productivity, on-time delivery, even on a micro level. Hmm. Okay, So changing your borders has to become routine, fluid, a fluid part of your improvement process. You have to come up with how do you pull them up overnight and get them to lay down for a year because as you get smarter, your borders will get smarter. So your borders have to continually improve, not just the change of the flow, but getting smart about how that real estate is used. Double border function, oh my goodness! you can have some t- you can have two things occupy the same bordered location because they don 't have to be there at the same time, so fabulous you know uh, uh, the webinar that we have on this has uh, i think one hundred and ten examples. The chapter was uh, supposed to be fifty pages, I think it turned out to be seventy because we have so many examples there 's just such depth. I gave you. A sense of it before. But the most important reason, and I'm just going to have to give this a kiss because I want to say something about addresses. The most important reason to put borders in place is because the mind is a pattern seeking mechanism. And without putting a pattern in place through borders, and that's the only way to get it in place, you have no pattern. I'm going to go into that. I guess we're going to do one more show on borders and addresses. I'll uh, kind of blend it with, uh, employee involvement. We'll do that, um, not next time. Next time we're going to hear Trish Moody do the big squeeze, talk about purchasing. But I have too much more to say about, uh, our fifth S, set locations, or if you will, install the visual wear for me to be able to give it proper due at such a pace. Let me say though, in the, our last few moments, because there's a couple of more layers about borders, about customer-driven visuality, which is also an operator component. When you have borders, you must continue to the second element of automatic recoil, which is the address. This is especially in uh, factory locations. You, uh, uh, do not think that color-coded borders mean you means you, no, you do not need addresses. Quite the contrary. You're using color-coded borders to make a differentiation. You have to put a name on that border. It can be airborne, double-sided, laminated, airborne address. It can be on the border itself. It can be both places. It can be a movie bo- moving border for temporary storage. It can be a flag, but you need an address. So we moved on. We just moved on to the second element of automatic recoil, the visual wear addresses whole chapter, I didn't know I was going to write a whole chapter on addresses when I sat down to do the work that makes sense book but I did, I learned so much hmm addresses they have to be large enough use upper and lower case when we capitalize we no longer see the profile, the pattern we have to read it instead of recognizing it, let them be high contrast and when you use color coding make sure that you use addresses as well. You have surround addresses. Use arrows to show us what's on the – to what the address applies, the upper shelf or the lower shelf. When you have barcoding, you can create redundant addresses to make it easier for forklift folks to find their way around, even though they have a a scanning gun. You do driver license level addresses to give us all the value-adding information we need, like a driver's license – My name, my address, the color of my eyes, and what I want you to do with my vital organs if I should get into a fatal accident. Everything. But you'll have other choices to go to the other end of the extreme and have generic addresses. Hmm? Drop zone. I'll tell you a story about that the next time. Magnetic addresses, all kinds of address systems for tools. Don't blame people for losing their tools help them get them addressed make it address make it easy addressing in and out so important naming the top of the department the top of the stream museum quality addresses this is ignition something ignited in my soul i made this gorgeous address look at it look at this wow 3d tabs so you don't have to go down the whole length to find out that what you're looking for is not there. The 3D dab tells you right at the entrance, oops, it's not there. Please get excited about 5S. You know, Alita Sherman saw my work about 10 years ago. She works for the uh, MEP, which is a manufacturing extension partnership in Colorado. And (laughs) she said something and I asked her if I could please use it forever. And she said, well, this is 5S on steroids. And I said, I said, I like that, and that's going to be – it's one of the two books I'm working on now. Uh, 5S is such an opportunity for you to culturally develop the people who have been neglected, the people who are at the bottom of your power structure. I want you to do lean, do your Six Sigma, but bring visual in because in bringing visual in on the operator level, operator level, doorway number one, you have a chance – for people to create a new identity of themselves and be a new person at work. The person that they wanted to be when they first knocked on the door when they were 18 saying, oh boy, I'm a grown-up now, I'm going to have a job. I'm going to make a contribution. I'm going to be a good citizen. That person is still inside each operator. Some of them are kind of cloaked over, I have to admit, but they're there. They're waiting for ignition, and it is the change agents and the executives who are responsible for this. 5S can be a vehicle for this kind of transformation. It can become um, an answer to powerful organizations. So I want to encourage you in that, and I had a great time today. Please let us hear from you, and I will uh, sign off now, but see you the next time. Okay, thanks a lot. I had a lot of fun sharing this with you. Bye-bye.
0: We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4pm Pacific featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galesworth on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.
1: Borders mean you, means you know, you do not need addresses. Quite the contrary. You're using color coded borders to make a differentiation. You have to put a name on that border. It can be airborne double-sided, laminated, airborne address. It can be on the border itself. It can be both places. It can be a movie bo- moving border for temporary storage. It can be a flag, but you need an address. So we moved on. We just moved on to the second element of automatic recoil, the visual wear. Addresses. Whole chapter. I didn't know I was going to write a whole chapter on addresses when I sat down to do the work that makes sense book. But I did. I learned so much. Mm -hmm. addresses, they have to be large enough, use upper and lower case. When we capitalize, we no longer see the profile, the pattern. We have to read it instead of recognizing it. Let them be high contrast. And when you use color coding, make sure that you use addresses as well. You have surround addresses. Use arrows to show us what's on the to what the address applies, the upper shelf or the lower shelf. When you have barcoding, you can create redundant addresses to make it easier for forklift folks to find their way around, even though they have a a scanning gun. You do driver license level addresses to give us all the value-adding information we need, like a driver's license, my name, my address, the color of my eyes, and what I want you to do with my vital organs if I should get into a fatal accident, everything. But you'll have other choices to go to the other end of the extreme and have generic addresses. Hmm? Drop zone. I'll tell you a story about that the next time. Magnetic addresses, all kinds of address systems for tools. Don't blame people for losing their tools. Help them get them addressed. Make it addressed. Make it easy. Addressing in and out. So important. Naming the top of the department, the top of the stream. Museum quality addresses. This is ignition. Something ignited in my soul. I made this gorgeous address. Look at it. Look at this. Wow. 3D tabs. So you don't have to go down the whole length to find out that what you're looking for is not there. The 3D dab tells you right at the entrance. Oops, it's not there. Please get excited about 5S. You know, Alita Sherman saw my work about 10 years ago. She works for the uh, MEP, which is a manufacturing extension partnership in Colorado. And she said something and I asked her if I could please use it forever. And she said, well, this is 5S on steroids. <laughs> and I, I said, I like that. And that's going to be it's one of the two books I'm working on now. Uh, 5S is such an opportunity for you to culturally develop the people who have been neglected, the people who are at the bottom of your power structure. I want you to do lean, do your Six Sigma, but bring visual in because in bringing visual in on the operator level, operator level, doorway number one, you have a chance for people to create a new identity of themselves and be a new person at work the person that they wanted to be when they first knocked on the door when they were 18 saying oh boy i'm a grown up now i'm going to have a job i'm going to make a contribution i'm going to be a good citizen that person is still inside each operator some of them are kind of cloaked over i have to admit but they're there They're waiting for ignition, and it is the change agents and the executives who are responsible for this. 5S can be a vehicle for this kind of transformation. It can become um, an answer to powerful organizations. So I want to encourage you in that, and I had a great time today. Please let us hear from you, and I will uh, sign off now, but see you the next time. Okay, thanks a lot. I had a lot of fun sharing this with you. Bye-bye.
0: We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galesworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.